Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your hosts, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow here tonight. We're talking about this weekend's events at Michigan International Speedway. The Cup Series event resulted in Clint Boyer's 10th career Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series victory and the second of the 2018 season for him. Additional playoff points for him, a big win today, holding off his teammate Kevin Harvick. Also, we'll discuss the NASCAR Xfinity Series race and the package used in the Xfinity Series is that package good? Will we be? Will we see it uh, this season? And should we see it on mile and a half tracks moving forward? We'll discuss all that, and we'll take your phone calls nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. If you want to call, talking about anything from this weekend's events at Michigan International Speedway. But first, of course, it was the Firekeepers Casino four hundred at Michigan. It was delayed by two and a half hours by rain, and it was shortened by rain as well. Resulted in Clint Boyer, who held off Kevin Harvick. In the closing stages, he passed him and then held him off. And rain came as soon as Boyer passed Harvick to win his 10th career victory, John. 133 laps were complete, and Boyer was ruled the victory after NASCAR lost the track. Your thoughts uh, on today's Firekeepers Casino 400 from Michigan? Well, the way it started, it seemed like we'd never get to 133. So, hey, congratulations, NASCAR, for getting it that far. I'm surprised they made it to the third segment the way they – the way the rain was throughout the day, it was just one of those that it, it was just annoying most of the time enough to make it a headache and everything. But I'll tell you, Stuart Haas racing has their crap together. Take away the bad pit stop from Eric Amarola early. And they could have easily been one through four. Clint Boyer with the win, Harvick second, Kurt Busch blows by Kyle Busch at the end to get third. Kyle Busch is the only non-Ford in the top eight cars. And Kyle Busch said it right after the race, whenever they were saying, well, what about Stuart Haas? He goes, it ain't Stuart Haas, it's that blue oval. He said, "Uh, my brother just blew by me going down the straightaway with the horsepower he had. I think it's Roush Yates engines that are doing it. The package doesn't, I mean, especially with here at Michigan, they're doing 203 mile an hour as their average lap. And you saw them going 219, 220 going into the curves, into the turns. How good can you get your car to handle and how ballsy are you as a driver? That's going to determine how well you do with these things. And Clint Boyer, he's about half nuts as it is. And it was really cool to see him win again. I know we we were excited and we were happy whenever Clint Boyer won at Martinsville because he knew the party was going to be fantastic. I think this was a great race for Clint Boyer. Smart move from Mike Bogoravich. Um, he's now won two races with Clint Boyer. He won a race with Tony Stewart, his third win as a crew chief. Great move. Taking two tires, I mean, it's a ballsy move because clean air is, I mean, we, we see it over and over again. Clean air is king. He had the, lane choice, and had the outside lane, and he held off Harvick by, what, about half a, half a fender and wound up going out and pulling out and staying with the lead and holding off until the reins came. So phenomenal move by Booger Ravich, great strategy, great day for Ford all around. And uh, again, the surprise that they got it in. Yeah, it was uh, 
Dodging raindrops all day today at Michigan, and really all weekend, and it seems like it's been a uh, theme this season for whatever reason that NASCAR's been dodging raindrops every weekend. I mean, it just seems like every weekend we go to, whether it's a Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, one of the days we're dodging raindrops or trying to see if we can get it in or missing practice. And, you know, the Cup Series didn't even have final practice on Saturday and then had a shortened race today here at Michigan. But uh, Clint Boyer absolutely deserves to win. Mike Bogaravich, it's funny, you know, remember the begin this season and really throughout the offseason we were talking about maybe there should have been a crew chief change over there at that 14 car late last year. I forget what race it was, but Clint Boyer, I think it was Talladega, Clint, Clint Boyer and Mike Bogaravich were screaming at each other on the radio, and it just seemed like there was a lot of frustration there in that 14 car. Fast forward here, we're 13 races, 14 races now through the season, and they got two victories, one at Martinsville and then one today at Michigan. So um, obviously Stuart Haas Racing knows better than what we do, um, and Boyer went in his second race where he hadn't won in five years prior, got two wins. Um, it just shows you Stuart Haas has got it going on. Kevin Harvick was good today. He led 49 laps. Kurt Busch took the pole. He led 46 laps. Those are your top three. What do you think Stuart Haas racing? And you talked about the Fords. There's no doubt Fords were good today. Um, Menard finished fifth with the Wood Brothers. Then you had two Penske cars in sixth and seventh with Kozlowski and Logano, Ryan Blaney in eighth as well. So a lot of Fords in the top ten. But really, it just seems like the Stuart Haas racing cars are the best of the best. What is Stuart Haas racing doing right now that you think um, is putting them above everybody else? Um, <laughs> I think it's the part of what makes Stuart Haas racing really good right now. And part of why Hendrick Motorsports is tr- uh, chasing their tails. W- one person, Rex Stump. Rex Stump was the chassis guy at Hendrick Motorsports forever. Rex Stump was the guy behind the T-Rex car that Bill France Jr. basically told Ray Everham, I don't care how legal it is. It's now illegal. And I'll write the, I'll rewrite the rules to make sure it is. Rex Stump is the chassis guy. Rex Stump is amazing at it. And when Stuart Haas decided they were going to Ford and building their own chassis, Stuart Haas bought Rex Stump. And since then, when Rex Stump came to Stuart Haas, you started to see the decline of Hendrick Motorsports, and you've seen the growth in Stuart Haas Racing. I can almost pinpoint it to that one man. Pretty incredible. He is a great chassis guy. There's no doubt about that. And I agree with you. I think that has... A lot to do with it. 917-889-8280 here talking in circles. Clayton Caldwell and John Harlow here with you tonight on Talking in Circles. Discussing the weekend from Michigan International Raceway. If you want to discuss anything from Michigan, give us a call. 917-889-8280. You know, we talked about the Fords. They were fast. I mean, it was great to see even Menard up there, who Menard, in my opinion, has had a really, really tough year this year. Um with with the Wood Brothers this year, and you know, comes over from from uh, RCR, and a lot of people thought he was going to kind of come in and 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 really take the, the season by storm. He hasn't done that, and this was his best run here in a long time. He led three laps today. You know, right now he's 16th in the standings, which isn't great. 17th in the standings, excuse me, which isn't great, but it's it's a step in the right direction for him uh, here in 2018. There's no doubt about that. And then he had the, the three Penske cars in a row there with his last Logano and Blaney won in 6th, 7th, and 8th, and then Amarola in 11th, like you discussed earlier. So the Ford had it going on, and really I was surprised, John, we didn't see much of a good performance from Toyota. Uh, Kyle Busch did okay. He was in the top five for most of the day, but he didn't lead a lap. We didn't see him do very good today. 
And Martin Truex Jr., 18th, and they didn't have really many issues. They just could not really find the handle on that number 78 Toyota. Um, and, you know, Toyota's day and, and Joe Gibbs Racing's days started off a little rough with the car, three of Joe Gibbs Racing cars failing inspection, pre-race inspection, starting at the rear of the field with Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, and Eric Jones's cars moving to the rear of the field before the race started. Jones ended up 15th. Hamlin had a tough day. Uh, he ended up finishing well below where he normally runs. Uh, Denny Hamlin finished in a 12th spot, excuse me, and then you had uh, Kyle Busch finishing in fourth. But like, like I said, you know, not a great day there from Toyota's 2X and 18th. We haven't really seen the raw speed and the consistent speed from that 78 car that we've seen all year long. So the Toyota's a little bit stepped behind the Fords here at Michigan. I think that was a real surprise. Yeah, I I don't – I mean, Michigan's one of those ones, especially with all the rain and stuff in there where it washed away any going on the high line or whatever. Pretty much it was a one-and-a-half groove track every now and then. On the, on the straightaways, you go wild, but in turns, one-and-a-half. They wound up stretching up to the second groove almost. But, I mean, like you said, it seemed like Truex just couldn't find the handle all weekend. They were talking a good game this morning that they thought they found the handle on it yesterday, but you had the rain and it washed all the rubber off. So they had a green track. Um, I just don't think there's anybody who's building, putting the horsepower in the engines like Roush Yates is. I mean, Doug Yates and his boys are putting some tremendous horsepower together. Um, The Joe Gibbs racing thing. I think there's going to be, on Wednesday, whenever we do our next talking in circles, I think we're talking penalties. I think we're talking big penalties too, because one of the things that they said this year is you do not mess with the splitter. And Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch and Eric Jones all had splitter issues. This isn't your, we got a little bump in the wind in the rear window, uh, rear window that's going to give you a little aerodynamic advantage. This is, they probably got caught shaving down the splitter because it looked worn. And this could be a big penalty day on Wednesday. I can't agree more. I, I think Joe Gibbs Racing's in for a rude awakening here when we when we find out whether it's Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever we get the penalty. Um, you know, and, and we all know these teams, I think every team pushes the limits. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but I agree with you. There's some certain spots of the car that are different than others, especially when NASCAR has come out this year and said, don't touch this, don't touch that. And one of those things was the splitter. Do not touch the splitter. Don't, that's, that's a, do not uh, push the limits in the splitter. And they did that today. Um, obviously it's not post-race inspection, which I think might be a little bit different because they hadn't hit the, the track with those splitters uh, for points, but still trying to get away with it um, is a big, big problem there. And, uh, you know, who knows how long they were getting away with it. Obviously, they felt confident enough to, for all three cars to do it. So maybe they had gotten away with it a couple of times under NASCAR's noses, and finally NASCAR said, hey, we're going to be able to do that. Um, we're going to, you know, really enforce it this week. So um, I agree with you. I think you're, you're absolutely right where uh, we're going to see a penalty. Who knows how big, whether it's an L1, L2, or L3. You know, although L1 penalty can range from harsh to weak. So it really doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, but, yeah, no, it, it's going to be a very interesting day um, in the coming days here for Joe Gibbs Racing. Another, well, it's like 
the things, one of the things you hear, Clayton, you, uh, there's three things that NASCAR has basically said. These are the, you will not come back to the racetrack or you will, you will feel the brunt of everything NASCAR can bring down upon you. You don't mess with the tires. You don't mess with the size of the engine. You don't mess with the fuel. And it seems like the splitter, the way they talked about it preseason, that was going to be the next, the basically the fourth leg of the table where you don't mess with the splitter. We'll see if NASCAR holds up to their words that they put in the preseason saying the splitter will be this. We, you will not touch a splitter. It will be flat because they were using a splitter to try to get aerodynamics underneath the car. Nope. You wanted the low ride height. You're going to have a flat splitter. And we'll see if uh, Joe Gibbs Racing uh, pays for it. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting again. This whole week is going to be uh, – Joe Gibbs Racing, I'm sure, is going to be sitting there uh, a little bit tapping their foot, anticipating what they're going to see here in the coming week. 917-889-8282, talking in circles, Clayton Cotal, John Harlow, a guy who was going for his fourth career victory, John, uh, at Michigan, his fourth in a row, his fourth victory a row at Michigan International Speedway was Kyle Larson. Larson was running up front. He, he started 25th. They missed the setup in the number 42 Chevrolet, um, but he worked his way through the field, did a great job there, uh, was in the top, you know, finished stage one and second, was right where he needed to be. But then on lap uh, 87, Larson spun through the grass, got a little bit loose, lost control of the 42 car, and spun through the grass. So uh, a tough day there for Larson, uh, who was going for his fourth consecutive victory at Michigan, John. Larson was funny. His Twitter account after the wreck pissed away what I felt like was the fastest car today. Stupid mistake on my end. Bummer. That's Larson's reaction on Twitter after wrecking uh, out of the car. He was doing well. Um, Early in the race, I thought the two cars to beat were going to be Ryan Blaney and Larson. Because Blaney came up and just blew Harvick away and was pulling away from him. He He's the only one that could pass Kurt Busch early in the race. And whenever he got by him, he pulled away. He had a three-second lead where Busch and Kyle, uh, Kyle Larson and Harvick were battling for second, third, and fourth there for a while. But Larson came from 25th and was battling for the lead. At I mean, he finished second at the end of the first stage. Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, even though they didn't lead laps, were two of the fastest cars on the track today. Everybody talked about Stuart Haas racing and how great they did. I mean, they have three cars, one, two, three. The fourth car was 11th. But I think uh, Kyle Larson and Ryan Blaney and uh, Kyle Busch were three of the cars outside of Stuart Haas that were phenomenal today. Oh, I agree. And I'll tell you, um, a Larson was, was Chevrolet's only hope. I mean, we've seen Larson run really good here in the past. And Chevrolet did okay. They were there were a couple of drivers who did okay today. One was Vic Murray finishing the top ten. He's starting to seem to roll off a couple of decent finishes here, and trying to right the ship here in 2018. Chase Elliott ninth. He was kind of nowhere to be found uh, as far as the leaders were concerned. But he did a nice. They, Chevrolet has just been behind. Byron today 13th. Austin Dillon 14th. He was the highest. Richard Childress racing car. Uh, Bowman is 16th, Almendinger 17th, Jimmy Johnson finished 20th today. Um, just a tough day from Chevrolet again here, John. And and we talked about the 42; they were fast and they were work, working their way through the field, and that's a Chevrolet team, no doubt. And Ganassi 
Uh, McMurray didn't run that badly, I don't think. He came from 24th and worked his way up to the top 10. Um, but other than that, you know, Chevrolet kind of really didn't show up, it seemed like, today. And this is a two, I know it's a two-mile track, a little different than the mile-and-a-half tracks, but uh, still a, a, a tough day for Chevrolet. And are they ever going to figure out this Camaro here before this, the playoffs come? I was listening to Jimmy Johnson talk to Claire B before the race today. And the one thing he was worried about was him and his wife are taking the girls to Switzerland for the off week. So he was worried about getting out of town. That's one thing. I mean, when you're worried about what your vacation plans are because there's a chance of rain and you're making a big deal out of it, that's something you got to look at. But I was listening to him talk about the cars. I said, we, he said, we've made some progress. And one of the things he has to make sure he doesn't do is turn a 10th place car into a 20th place car because he overdrove it. Jimmy Johnson's not used to that. Jimmy Johnson's always had a car that could contend and he could overdrive the car because he's a, he likes to lose race cars. It is the way this package is right now. If you get a little loose, you're not saving it unless you're Kyle Larson because he drives dirt all the time. And Kyle didn't even save his car today. Um, I think it's one of those things, the off week, we'll see what they can do. Um, we saw that during the off week, whenever they had at the Easter break, uh, or I mean, Mother's Day break, they got a little bit, a uh, little Chevy got a little better in between Mother's Day and today. So we'll see how it goes. I'm sorry, the Easter break is whenever they came off the West Coast swing. They got a little better between the Easter break and where they are now. Let's see what they do with this week that they have as an off week and see if, um, Chevy can come back. They're going to go to a road course next at Sonoma, but then we'll see how they do in the summer months. Usually, and especially, it's really weird. One of the things Jimmy Johnson is not known for is performing during the summer months. Usually, Johnson gets his stuff together early, gets his wins, um, gets a points lead, and then kind of coasts through the summer, and then they plan for the playoffs. So let's see what they have to do when they have to really run this summer. Yeah, and that's the thing. We've never seen Johnson really on offense in these months coming up, we've seen him on sort of defense and saying, okay, you know, we're in the playoffs. Uh, let's kind of test and see what we got here. We've never really seen him in this situation. Last year, even even though they struggled for most of the year last year, they had three wins. Uh, right now they don't have one, and that's kind of crazy here. They're in position right now to make the playoffs, but they're not in great standing, and they've made it every single year. You know, back when we had 10 cars, they made the playoffs. So they've made it every single year. It, the playoffs have existed, and so um, it would be a shock to see them miss again here. And I, I, again, I just I think the the magic between Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss is gone. Um, I, I've I've gone on the record and said that I just feel like they are just not where they were. Where you know everybody said they had that golden horseshoe. Um, I, I think that golden horseshoe now is long gone from that 48 team. But you know Hendrick even as a whole hasn't been great. You know, Johnson still leads Hendrick Motorsports Brigade in points in 12th. Chase Elliott's 13th, Bowman's 15th, and Byron's 20th. Um, you know, they might have to do some organizational moves there to get this team right. Now, I think they're going to wait and see until they get this Camaro figured out. But, um, you know, there might be some internal moves there that they have to make, which is shocking when you think about an organization as respected and as strong and as deep as Hendrick Motorsports is that they might have to make some internal changes to get better. Um, I don't think Jimmy Johnson's forgotten to drive how to drive a race car. I, I think Jimmy Johnson's still as good as he ever was. You know, Bowman's a little bit 
still learning how to do this, I think. And same thing with, with Byron. But, you know, Chase Elliott hasn't been great. And I think Chase Elliott's a good driver, and I think Alan Gustafson, the great crew chief, they've struggled. So that's something definitely to keep an eye on here as the season moves along. You know, no doubt we got Sonoma, then Chicago, and Daytona. Chicago will be a good parameter if we don't run the rules package there to see what this team does here as the season goes along. Well, Chase Elliott also, I mean, he's 13th in points right now. They've given up 40 points to penalties. I mean, granted, they'd still be 12th if they had those 40 points back. But Chase Elliott's been respectable. He's been respectable out of the Hendrick crew. Bowman's been consistent. He hasn't been great, but he's been consistently mediocre, which has him at the cutoff line for the playoffs right now because with Austin Dillon sitting back there in, I want to say, 18th place, he's locked into the playoffs right now with the win at the Daytona 500. So 15th is your cutoff of who's going to make the playoffs. And right now, Alex Bowman has a four-point lead over Ricky Stenhouse Jr. of who's going to make the playoffs in that last spot. Um, Jimmy Johnson, there's a few things you're looking at, and especially with the struggles at Hendrick Motorsports. Like I brought up earlier, Rex Stump is a big, big change. Rex Stump built the chassis at Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, Rex Stump was the guy who led that chassis department, and they were always – always somebody you contend you had to contend with add to that ron malik this is the first year he's not the car chief with jimmy johnson he's been jimmy johnson's car chief since they came into the series chad john i mean chad uh Knaus and ron malik were side by side and ron malik was the car chief from the time jimmy johnson hit the cup series until this year so that's another play in the that isn't there that jimmy johnson's used to and then you take the third one, Darian Grubb, who was in charge of car development, is now on the box of William Byron. So that's three brains that are sitting back behind the scenes making these cars great that aren't there right now. Hendrick Motorsports is trying to rebuild from within because a lot of big players at Hendrick Motorsports behind the scenes aren't there right now. And they lost Doug Duhart to the team's general manager um, as well last year when he left uh, and to move to another organization. So, yeah, they've had a lot of internal moves here, uh, a lot of internal changes here the last four or five years. And, um, you know, maybe it's caught up with them here a little bit. Uh, they're the, they're the, the, the problem with them is, and, and here's where I look at it, you know, you can say, well, they haven't figured out the Camaro. Hendrick Motorsports is the lead Chevrolet team. You know, I feel like if, if when Chevy figures out this Camaro, you're going to look at them and you're going to say, well, Hendrick's going to figure it out. But right now I think the, the best team, the most consistent team is the 42. And we've seen the speed out of the 42 the last few weeks. Why can't you know, these teams in Hendrick Motorsports find that? I don't really know. It's going to be interesting to see. Like I said, you know, we've got a long way to go yet until the playoffs. Um, there's, there's still a lot of racing to go. But you know, time's starting to tick here a little bit now, though. You know, we're more than halfway through the regular season. And you're saying, okay, now is the time to find your speed if you're Chevrolet. And we're just sort of waiting on it to come because I think everybody's expecting it to come sometime this year. And it's just they're just a little bit further behind. Um, anything else, things, John, for you that stood out at Michigan? With, well, with Go the ahead. Chevy, what we were talking about, I heard Richard Childers say a couple weeks ago whenever they were doing the uh, – whenever uh, Chocolate and Jim Noble were at uh, the museum talking to – for uh, fan day, fan appreciation day. And Childress is talking about the uh, Chevy and why the Camaro is struggling. 
Whenever they came out and created the Chevrolet, the rules package was different. They created the Chevrolet for the way the 2017 package was. And they changed the front end. They changed the ride heights. They changed the way the splitter is and everything. And what they designed that Camaro for, they wound up not running it with that package. I mean, they designed the Camaro for something different and NASCAR changed the package after the Camaro was presented, the Camaro was created. Um, yeah. Chevy Hendrick motorsports, Richard Childress racing, um, Chip Ganassi racing. They're all a little behind because the package changed after they created the Camaro. I mean, if you think about probably the way they did it, they probably were going to be like Toyota was when they changed the front end last year, it took them a few, few, few weeks to get themselves together. But once they got it and understood the package, they just went nuts. But this year it's a whole different thing because it's not like they created a car for the package. It's there. Now they created a car for last year's package. And I think that's part, part of why um, all the Chevy teams are struggling. I don't know what it is, but it just, it's really weird. Lay an egg with somebody, they're starting to go away and you don't see them come back and recover. Um, Chad Johnson and Tony Stewart, they were great friends. I mean, matter of fact, Tony Stewart was the crew chief for Chad Johnson running a sprint car. And Chad and Tony got along great. And Tony said, Chad, you need to go away because I'm ruining your career. Uh, Tony and Chad just couldn't put a car under Tony that Tony could get around with. So he went to Ganassi. Kyle Larson drives a hell of a lot like Tony Stewart did. Except Tony on the on uh, pavements, a bottom feeder. Um, Larson on pavements a rim rider. And I think Chad and uh, Kyle Larson found magic. And usually you don't find that if you're, if once you start moving places as a crew chief. No, I agree with you. It's wholeheartedly there. And we'll see. I mean, um, you know, whether or not they can figure it out with this rule package, because I think it's going to be a very interesting year for Chevrolet um, as the season moves forward. 917-889-8280. 917-889-8280. We'll give you a quick rundown here of the field um, and the notables, top 20, and we'll give you the notables from there. It was, it was Clint Boyer, like we said earlier. Then it was Kevin Harvick, Kurt Busch, Kyle Busch, Paul Menard, Brad Kislowski, Joey Logano, Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, and Jamie McMurray, your top 10. Eric Amarola was 11th. Then it was Denny Hamlin, William Byron, Austin Dillon, Eric Jones, Alex Bowman, A.J. Almendinger, Martin Truex Jr., Bubba Wallace and Jimmy Johnson, your top 20 other notables. Ryan Newman in 22nd. Tough day for him today. Uh, Kyle Larson ended up 28th after, after spinning and crashing in the grass. Daniel Suarez, same deal. He finished 30th. Matt Kenseth uh, in his last race until September in the sixth car at Rosh Fenway. He finished 33rd. Um, and those are your notables here today. Michigan National Speedway, Fire Keepers Casino 400. Anything else, John? Final words from the Fire Casino? Firekeepers Casino 400 today at Michigan. I think there's a one big one is um, Bubba Wallace coming back to finishing 19th. Um, he wound up running over David Reagan, and it was interesting because uh, NBC Sports puts up what the driver said after the race. And Reagan was, I wish Bubba wasn't able to drive away because he just ran over his head and wrecked us. You have that sometimes. Guys make mistakes. He made a mistake. It's unfortunate. Reagan felt like he had a car that was going to be okay. They made some adjustments. They were going to race hard, try to get to halfway. But it's one of those days you move on. So Reagan was kind of wishing that Bubba was messed up out of the wreck too. 
And Bubba said crazy day, stepped on it and won and cost David Reagan and their team a good race. Um, rebounded somewhat, fired off super tight on the last run, but it could have been a it could have been a lot better finish for us. Um, they have some things to tighten up. The funny part is you look at it, and this is the one thing that's really crazy is uh Clint Boyer is probably known as one of the biggest partiers of the group. And Clint Boyer won at Martinsville with an off week after that. He wins at Michigan with an off week after that. So it's already going to happen for Clint Boyer. Yeah, it's going to be a wild, wild party, no doubt, at Stewart House Racing this week. And they got two weeks to, to party because next week's an off weekend, at least for the Cup Series, before we move to Sonoma in the road course race. Um, so, hey, they're going to be enjoying this one for a little bit while. And as long as it took for Clint Boyer to win his next race, uh, he deserves to have a little bit of time to celebrate um, and, and, and celebrate uh, a victory in the Cup Series and just feel good about yourself. I mean, there's no doubt last year they had a, a decent year and they were uh, close to victory. Even I think it was Sonoma where they were real close to, to win a lot of race, to win the race there. And, um, you know, they just couldn't close the deal. And now they got two wins and feeling good about themselves and getting that momentum up here as the 28th season, 2018 season uh, rolls along. The Cup Series wasn't the only event event at Michigan International Speedway, and I would say the most anticipated event was the LTI Printing 250 from Michigan. Uh, it was an NASCAR Xfinity Series race. The rule package at the Xfinity Series race at Pocono, and what the similar to what the Cup Series raced in the All Star race at Charlotte Motor Speedway, resulted in Austin Dillon's first uh, victory of the season, his fifth career. A victory in the Xfinity Series. He drove the three Bass Pro Shops Cabela's Chevrolet for Richard Childress. Then it was his teammate Daniel Hammer. Cole Custer was third, followed by Ryan Reed and Paul Menard. Two top five finishes from Menard this week, uh, finishing fifth in the number 22 Penske Ford. Um, so, you know, here's here's where it was interesting was they ran that package. And it was very much reliant in the draft. Um, you know, if you got in, into a lane that was slower, uh, you couldn't really do much. I thought it was a, there was a lot of single file out there. Um, and I, I talked about this package at length before, you know, when we talked about it for the All-Star Race. I don't like the fact that you're so uh, reliant on everybody else there. I think, you know, these mile-and-a-half tracks, it's great to see a team and a driver who has the best race car um, go up there and, and trace, chase people down and pass people. Here you're so much you're so reliant on, on the draft. And I feel like this is a similar conversation to what fans were having with restrictive plate racing back in the eighties when they first went to restrictive plate racing. And now it's sort of commonplace here on the, on the super speedway tracks. Um, but here we are at Michigan and I just, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. You know, there was a lot of closing rate was different. Elliot Sadler got on the wreck with, with Alex Bowman, which we'll dive into a little bit later on, but, Overall, John, what was your thoughts on this package here at Michigan? Um, I'll tell you, I'll, it, I think it sucked. I really do. I know they want to slow the cars down a little bit, but they're going turning laps of 203 in the Cup Series. I think the poll, I mean, even though they did buy qualifying by the rule book because qualifying was rained out yesterday, but the fastest practice speed was 176. That's 27 miles, 20, 27 miles an hour slower than the pole speed for the Cup Series race. 
I don't think they're, I mean, there's a lot of controversy about it. And I was listening to Mark Martin talk to Claire B. Lang in the uh, pace car ride this morning. I listened to Mark Martin do a couple interviews. I can understand Brad Keselowski bitching, moaning, complaining because he's a driver. Mark Martin doesn't have a, doesn't have a dog in the fight. Mark Martin said, because I'm a fan, I don't want to see this package on these racetracks. He said he's not a, I mean, he says like the restrictor plates on Daytona and Talladega, you have to do them. But he said, I'm not a fan of watching a race where you have to count on somebody else to accomplish anything. And probably will blow off NASCAR if they go to this type of package. It's not about what you and your car can do. It's about what you and somebody else's car and what lane you possibly could be in and how many people come to pit road with you of whether or not you got a chance to win. I think it's a joke. I think it's terrible. I think they keep proving themselves worse and worse each time. If you are not in the right lane or if you don't have the right guy with you, you're screwed. And you can have the best car on the track, but if you don't have somebody with you, you're host. And that's not what is race. Racing's not about that. Your job racing is about how good a car can I build and can I beat everybody? It's not about how good a car I can build and have somebody else push me or me get in the right lane or something like that. And I miss the wrecks. That's not what racing's about. And NASCAR yeah, keeps shooting themselves in the foot with this stuff. You talked. You touched on a good point about the restrictive plates on the super speedways, and that was more out of necessity. Um, as far as we were concerned about cars flying into the stands, Bobby Allison's wreck in 1987, where blew right rear tire and went into the catch fence, took two and a half hours to repair it, and fans got hurt. You know, and you looked at that and you said, "Oh my goodness gracious!" You know, um, we don't want that to happen. Where he just blew right rear tire and they got air, and the car was so going so fast that. Um, it could potentially kill, could have hurt a lot of people and would have been a big tragedy, which was avoided thanks to the catch fence. But it was something that we didn't want to see again. Um, and the speeds were down and we went to a necessity. This isn't really out of a safety necessity. This is more out of trying to be more entertaining. And that to me is where you get with the integrity. I think you look at it and you say, okay, it, if, if fans think it's more entertaining because you see cars more piled up and – you know, Cesar Baccarella can run 10th, um, and these guys are running with each other. If fans find that more entertaining, I'm not going to sit there and argue with them. Uh, I, I don't think it is. But you have to look at the integrity of the sport. And, again, you know, I think part of the reason why people watch racing and part of the people, things why people watch NASCAR is it's the best of the best and the best teams and the best drivers and the best uh, mechanics around going at each other and battling it out and seeing who can beat each other. If the driver can beat, uh, uh, doesn't matter if you have the best driver or the best team that day wins, like we saw today. You know, to me, Clint Boyer, you know, at the end of the day was, was the best team in the best car. Maybe not all day, but at that point in the race when the race ended, he was out front. He earned his way to be up there, and he deserved to win. Um, you know, I just think with, with this package, you're starting to look at it and you're saying, Sure, it might be entertaining, but we're going to see a lot more wrecks. And you have to look at integrity where is this what we really want, where everybody, anybody can get in one of these race cars and run in the top five and win? It doesn't matter who you have in there as long as 
you know, you can dr- get in the right lane, you're going to go up to the front. To me, that's a little bit outrageous. I, I, you know, it, being a talented race car driver should matter. Being a talented team should matter. And I'm not saying what we have in a Cup Series is flawless. And I'm not saying I think the racing today was a barn burner. But overall, I like the direction of the Cup Series race more than the Xfinity Series race. And people are going to say that's crazy. But to me, at least the, the Cup Series race was more true. It had more integrity. And I still think we need to work on the, on the mile and a half package. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I think these are shifter plates. Is NASCAR throwing up their hands and saying, we have, we've, we've kind of exhausted all the areas, and we're just going to throw restrictor plates on you. And if you don't like it, oh, well. Um, that's the way I look at this. And, you know, I just think the integrity of the sport is ruined, which is what I think sort of what Brad Kozlowski and Mark Martin were talking about, and Bobby Labonte reiterated on Twitter as well, where the integrity of the sport is almost ruined here because of the restrictor plates. That's like um, telling Bill Belichick that Tom Brady's only allowed to throw 17 passes in a game. If you really think about it, you're going to put a restrictor plate on. It's like, okay, here we go. Belichick, here's what you got. You can only Brady can throw 17 passes. You can use them anytime you want, but you can only throw 17 passes in a game. And it might be one of those ones where they're down 35 nothing, and Brady can throw 17 passes. You're going to lose. This isn't the way racing's meant to be. Um, and it's getting gimmicky. Remember we used to – you and I used to joke about it. I think Lee and Virginia threw a couple comments on whenever IndyCar had that push to pass button they put in there to say, okay, I get the extra boost and I can get by somebody right here and you can only get 15 of them or whatever. And you can use a push to pass and so get by somebody. That's not there for this. this we're going to the fast guy down and put him back to the rest of the pack. I think you just might as well, it's getting to the point where NASCAR is to where, let's just give everybody participation ribbon. Everybody goes for ice cream after the race, and that's about what it's turning into. Or just make them the IROC series and let it go, because that's what this crap is becoming. It's it's crap, literally crap. Those That was some of the worst racing I saw yesterday. Pocono for the Xfinity race was just as bad. Um, I didn't like the all-star race. They said about the more passing and stuff. Yeah, that's on loop lines. And that's because they were bunched up. But they never did it more than 20 laps at a time. and Or 40 laps at a time. They didn't do it a full pit run. I mean, a full uh, green flag run of where they would have to change tires and you have to bring everybody in at the same time or whatever. You never had to play catch up in that car in that package. I think it's going to be crap whenever they try that. So NASCAR, the one of the things that does bother me with how we're running with this package. Kevin Harvick had four tires. Clint Boyer had two. Clint Boyer had the, the best You get a good grip coming out on the top in the top groove. Couldn't clear him coming out of turn two. And once Boyer got by him going into turn three, Harvick had nothing for him. Because once you're in clean air, you can't pass anybody. Yeah, it, it again, I think it's, uh, I just have a problem with it because it just uh, – I understand where some fans say, say oh, I want to see a level playing field. But most of the fans, when they complain and say, my driver – you know, I saw today where something on Facebook, which was ridiculous, saying, oh, what, what is NASCAR going to give Chevrolet their, you know, quick 
having this vendetta against the Chevrolet teams and let them have a horsepower back or something like that. And if you think that and honestly think that, you're you're a total moron. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, and I just think sometimes fans complain about a bad race when their driver doesn't do good. And, you know, I hate to break it to you, but part of the reason why your drivers might not be doing good is because maybe they're not good enough. Maybe the team's not good enough. And that's what I want to see is where I want to see the best of the best go out there and compete and say, okay, um, you, you can do whatever you want as far as the race is concerned, but I want to see these drivers uh, really show their talent. And I think we're, we're really him taking that away from these guys with these restrictor plates on these tracks where you're saying, I don't really care about your talent. It's just sort of kind of luck where you get in the lane and, and uh, track position matters and, and uh, strategies, the big thing. And sure, you know, handling is going to come into play every now and then, but uh, it's not as big of a factor as it would be. Now I do agree. We need to work on this package. I'm not saying that the mile and a half package is flawless. Um, and I really think the biggest problem is clean air. Uh, especially for the first three or four drivers, like we talked about last week at Pocono, where it just seems like the first three or four have an extreme advantage over the rest of the field. Once you get th- fourth or fifth, uh, it sort of levels off, and you, and you kind of, if you're a slower car, you move to the rear quicker, and if you're a faster car, you move up, but you can't pass those three or four cars up front because of the clean air. Um, I think that is something we need to look at and make it a little bit better but I don't think restricted points is the way to go on these mile and a half tracks for sure. I don't think so either. I think um, I was watching something on Fox um, whenever I was looking after the race, I saw something on foxsports.com where there was Daryl Waltrip talking about the car that made him the 1981 Buick, the Mountain Dew Buick that he ran. They won 11 races that year. And I think in the two years they won 81, 82, they won back-to-back cup championships I think they won 24 races to include the clash and the all-star race. I mean, that car was phenomenal. You look at it, it looked like a box. I mean, it had the straight rear end. It wasn't like they had the sloped um, rear window. It cut a hole in the air. They were able to pass each other. It wasn't like everything just slid off of everything. It wasn't so aerodynamic dependent like this is. It was a great car. There was a great run in that. I mean, it was an amazing run by that team and the way they did it. I think they got to get back to going old school. Now, the problem is you've got your manufacturers who are putting slick cars out on the road. Everybody wants to drive a cool car whenever they're on the street. They want their car to look good. They don't want it to look like a box. So that's one of the things NASCAR is running up against is the way the manufacturers have designed the cars that they're going to drive out these days. I don't know what the solution is, but I do know what the problem is. The problem is if you're in clean air, you win. Even look at the all-star race, whenever they put the package in that they're trying to push down everybody's throat, nobody could pass Harvick when he was out front. Nobody had, they couldn't get two of them lined up and get by Harvick because Harvick had the clean air. And nobody could get by him once he got out front. So I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, we're going to slow him down. We're going to bring him back and make him pack race. But still, you can't get by the leader. Agreed. Nine one seven eight nine eight two eight zero. And final thing for me on this is I don't think it helped the racing as much as everybody thought it was. I think part of the reason why we saw um, them being so aggressive at the end was the rain. But there was a lot of times where 
and there was a lot of single file out there as well, so keep that in mind. Uh, something I want to talk about, it really, really grinds my gears, and I could probably spend the next 15 minutes of the show, the last 15 minutes of the show, just going off. Um, but I'm going to give you the full field rundown, before, or the top 20, and then some of the notables before I really get to my point here. Also, Dylan won. It was Daniel Hemrick in second. Hemrick had a really good race yesterday. Third was Cole Custer. Fourth went to Ryan Reed. Then it was Paul Menard in fifth. Kyle Busch was sixth. Tyler Reddick, Kevin Harvick, Justin Allgaier, Ryan Truex, your top ten. Christopher Bell, Kaz Gala, who uh, came close to winning that race, has really showed himself in that 61 car since uh, moving the Fury race cars there in that organization. He finished 12th. John Hunter Niemicek was 13th, 14th, Ross Chastain. Jeremy Clements was 15th. Then it was Matt Tift, Michael Annette, Brandon Jones, Ryan Sieg, and J.J. Yaley, your top 20. Uh, 21st is Alex Bowman. He's, in, he's part of this, the next story I'm going to talk about. Uh, and, his, and Elliot Sadler finished 30th. Those two drivers got to do a little bit of a scuffle on the racetrack here on lap um, at the, towards the end of the race there, I believe like lap 87 or 88, um, before the 91 race before Lane ended the Xfinity Series race a little short. Sadler was trying to come up the racetrack and get in line because obviously it's a, uh, with, with the restricted plates, it's much more of a drafting racetrack, was trying to get in line in front of Alex Bowman and just wasn't clear. And he thought Bowman was going to give him a break, although Bowman had his whole front end in, fr- in front of the rear end of, of Sadler's car. Sadler comes up, gets into Alex Bowman. Uh, both of the cars hit the wall and Sadler was really, really annoyed at Alex Bowman. Came up into him and slammed him in, onto the caution and slammed into his car under caution. Now, I'm okay with a driver doing that. I saw a lot of people on Twitter and a lot of people on Facebook and saying, well, he should be suspended for that thing. And, uh, you know, that's sort of what, like, what Kenseth did to Joey Logano and yada, yada, yada. Listen, I, I don't mind a driver showing off his emotions. But first of all, Elliot Sadler's comments were a little bit weird to me. He called Bowman his quote-unquote teammate, which Saturday was incorrect. I understand Bowman runs for Hendrick Motorsports in the Cup Series, but on Saturday he was driving for GMS Racing, which, sure, they get their engines from Hendrick Motorsports, but that's it. Other than that, they're not really affiliated with Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, so he expected Bowman to, quote, give him a break at the end of that race with rain potentially coming, which this is the second or third time Elliot Sadler has done this in the last two years. Last year at Homestead, he complained and was mad at, at Ryan Priest because he didn't Priest didn't let him go by because he was running for a championship. Um, I'm sorry, this just sounds like Elliot Sadler getting being a little whiny baby. I'm being completely honest with you. Um, you know, I'm tired of hearing it. I'm tired of hearing these, and most of them are veteran drivers. I'm tired of hearing these veteran race car drivers complaining about drivers not moving over and letting them go by. We're here to race. And I understand the package might have been frustrating for Elliott Sadler. I get that. I'm not saying, you know, he was having a bundle of fun out there on Saturday and all that, and that might have contributed to his comments at the end of the race. Well, then come out on, sa- on Sunday and say, listen, I was a little overblown. I, sh- I reacted like, a- like an idiot. I was frustrated by the way our day went. I didn't really appreciate the package. That's fine. Come out and say that. But you just come out as a whiny baby when you sit there and act like these drivers should move over for you because of who you are and you're a federal race car driver and you lead the points. It's ridiculous. I'm tired of hearing it. And it's not just Sadler, 
But I'm using him as an example because you hear these drivers all the time. And Larry McReynolds talked about it on Race Hub a couple of weeks ago where you hear drivers all the time saying, he's racing me too hard. We're here to race. And as much as these drivers complain about the media and the fans and former drivers alike, complain about the media and fans saying, well, the part of the reason why the fans aren't really watching it anymore is because you guys are negative. Well, guess what? Maybe part of the reason why these, these fans aren't watching anymore is because these drivers aren't racing hard enough. If you think people should move over for you, then maybe you're not running hard enough. I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, it just grinds my gears. I'm sick and tired of hearing it. You get paid millions of dollars to drive a race car, and you're upset that people aren't moving over for you? Give me a break. Nice rant. <laughs> I don't disagree <laughs> with you. Um, there's a reason Elliot Sadler is driving for junior motorsports because he's not that good. He didn't do crap in the cup series. I mean, you think about it. M&Ms came to Robert Yates racing because Elliot Sadler was going to be the next great thing. Whenever he did won his race at the Wood brothers and he was going to take over and the 28 became the 38 and they were going to just run wild never materialized. And then he was going to, he went to Ray Everham and he was going to be a stud over with Ray Everham. And guess what? Nothing materialized. Elliot Sadler has a reputation of being media friendly, nice guy. Look at his numbers. There's not much difference between what you, me and Lee in Virginia could do compared to what Elliot Sadler's done. I mean, he's been in good equipment most of his career. I mean, the Wood Brothers equipment wasn't bad. Uh, Robert Yates' equipment was not bad. Uh, he's run his Xfinity side since he uh, has come back to Xfinity. He's run for Joe Gibbs, Jack Roush, and Dale Jr. And he still doesn't have an Xfinity championship. He's not that good. And don't bitch that somebody's in your way. I could just see him trying to do that to Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman's the toughest guy to pass because his job, he says, is to do the best job I can. If I let somebody pass me, I'm not doing the best job I can. Try that with Newman. Newman yes, will knock you out. Absolutely. And Alex Bowman's job description, I didn't think when he signed up to drive for GMS Racing that it included, quote, moving over for other Hendrick-powered race cars. 917-889-8280 here. Talking in circles, Clayton Cole, John Harlow with you. You can join the show like Lee in Virginia. Hello, Lee. What do you want to talk about tonight? Well, I'll continue with this conversation first, and then we'll go into the. I want to go into the package a little bit, but this is something that I've noticed. And and Martin Truex Jr. did it last week too. If you remember, he started in the back at uh, at, at the race in Pocono, and was complaining that drivers who were on the lead lap, who he's battling with for position, weren't getting out of his way and were quote holding him up. That's their job. If they're not doing that, I, 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 I would fire my driver for not doing that. I mean, I, I don't understand it. And, you know, you guys are talking about the package, and this kind of relates. I think the racing today at, at, at Michigan was pretty damn good. But, and we saw some passes for the lead. We saw some passes in the middle of the field. Yes, it got stretched out there for a little bit. But I think because of the rain was coming, these guys were actually driving hard. And isn't that why we created the stage racing to begin with? Because these guys were lackadaisical for the first 450 miles of a 500-mile race? Um, so, you know, sometimes you got to wonder if you – and I thought the best race in the Xfinity Series race 
was when they thought the rain was coming. It, regardless of the package, I think these guys need to drive a little bit harder at times too. And and I think that's where you're, uh, you know, you're, you're getting, uh, you know, why this racing hasn't been so good is because this is a this is a mentality that Mark Martin created. And I don't blame him because he was the one that started with the racing too hard too early in the race. He started all this nonsense back in the day, and it's gotten this far. And you know what? It needs to end because the sport is much better without it. With this racing too hard early in the race. I don't understand that. I'm with you, Lee. Um, and it's one of those things that you listen to. Um, it, it used to be the Tony Stewart mantra. Um, that Mark Martin taught him. It's like, you don't, if you, if somebody's got a better car than you early in the race, you let them go. And you, it's up to you to fix your car and come back and get them at the end of the race. The way it is now, there's points being paid in three different segments of this race. And it's your job to get every point possible because if you let somebody buy and they take that 10th position away from you in the first stage to the 14th race, and that one point is what keeps you out of the playoffs, that's not good for your team. That's not good for your sponsor. That's not good for your Now they created it because they want people to get up on the wheel and run hard all the time. And you're seeing it. Truex showed that last year. Whenever he went out, he went out and tried to win every stage, every qualifying, everything possible to get as many points as he can so he could coast through the playoffs. I mean, you look at it last year. We joked about it, but Truex was locked in at the playoffs as long as he didn't have three blown engines in any set of the – any rounds of the playoffs last year. Same thing's going to happen this year with Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick. One of them's going to – I mean, they're probably both going to be there because it'll take an act of God for them not to win, a, win one of the races or uh, get going further. I think it's crazy that the – and you're right, Mark Martin's the one behind it because he had the gentleman aspect of doing things. Nobody told Dale Earnhardt to do that. Nobody told Daryl Waltrip to do that. Let somebody buy. No. Nobody told Buddy Baker. Nobody told the Bobby or Donnie Allison or Cale Yarbrough or all them. No, you get everything you can out of every lap because your job is to do the best every lap for your team. And I think there is a time where you should use your head as a driver where, hey, you know, and I think that's what Mark Martin was sort of preaching where, hey, if your car's not handling great, it's not the end of the world to sacrifice sixth place on lap 23 if your car's not handling great. Um, That makes sense to a lot of people because you go, oh, I'm going to wreck, run for sixth. My car's not handling good. I'll fix it and come back and try and get six. That makes sense. That's a driver using his brain early on in the race. Um, but to suggest that people 20 to, with 20 to go, or who knows when the rain's coming there, that they should move over for you, to me, is comical. Uh, so, you know, that, that's my final thought on that. Lee, I want to get your opinion on the package. What did you think of it this weekend at Michigan? What do you think of it as a whole? I didn't think it was that great, spectacular at Michigan. What I really didn't like about it, and it reared its ugly head this week, was it, it came down to who you pitted with, and there was all kinds of different strategies. When the rains came, it got a little bit better because guys got to, were pushing a little bit harder. But you know, Daniel Hemmer couldn't get around, couldn't get around a three car. Uh, Cole Custer tried to pass Kyle Busch there at the end of the race, or at the end of the first stage, and couldn't do it. And we don't know who had a better race car. We don't know who had a better driver. And that's the one thing with this package, too. You don't know any of that. 
needed help to make it make it work. I don't like the, I don't like the restrictor plates, but I do. I am starting to become a person who believes that the speed needs to be taken out of these race cars. I know, you know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but I think it was there was a good point being made of these things are so on edge that you know they're just hanging on to them and they can't even maneuver them. So maybe we need to take the speed out of these things a little bit in the center of the corners so they can maneuver them and, and pass people. Um, I'm starting to believe that. Whether or not restricted plates is not the answer for that, though. I think, you know, minimizing horsepower could be the answer. The problem with that is the team owners and the the engine builders will go absolutely ballistic, and the the RTA will go absolutely ballistic, and that won't happen. So, you know, we always say this, and this happens in the NFL, the unions unions are bad for the consumer, and that's what's happening here with this RTA. It's a union, no doubt about it. And it's bad, it's being bad for the consumer because they're caring about one thing, and that's making money. And they're not allowing any changes to happen with the engines or anything. And that's why they're they're kind of putting band-aids on this package where the drivers are going, well, you know, we're band-aiding this package. But the drivers are also in the same boat where they don't want to take pay cuts. Sponsorship's not there, and the owners don't want to pay you know don't want to pay for the package either. So I mean, it's just one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and this is what you get as a band-aid which is what, pretty much what this package is, and it's definitely not something that, you know, is, is something that I think we should go fur- further with. It's closer than where we need to be, and I think, you know, slowing the cars down could be an answer, but I don't think restrictor plates. There's no question I don't think restrictor plates are the answer. No, without a doubt. Well, thanks I think so much for your call. The worst thing to the, I think restrictor plates are the worst thing for the series. Lee, thanks so much for your call. You add great substance to the show, and call back again next week. Thanks. Always good to hear from you, Lee. Always great to hear from Lee. And I do agree with my – I've said this before. I think there's ways to slow the cars down, especially in the corners, to help make the racing a little bit more fun to watch um, and help the passing them maybe lean on each other a little bit. I think people think that's craziness. Um, but maybe add weight to the front nose of these race cars. We've taken that out in recent years. Um, I think that might help help it a little bit you know these cars were like 250 pounds heavier when it was a cot and i think that would help uh if we add those 250 pounds back here um final thoughts on on the whole weekend at michigan john um again i like the way the cup series ran um especially with the rain coming it didn't get as strung out as it normally does but there were some again we said it most of the way through the season where everybody's griping moaning complaining about the uh the racing from fourth on back, the racing is phenomenal. And Fox has done a hell of a lot better these days of focusing on more than the lead. Because if they focus on the lead, when you see somebody pull out four or five seconds ahead of time and you're focused on the leader, people are going to be bored off their, you know, what's and they're going to change channel. There's some good racing from fourth on back and they just have to find a way to figure out how to get the leader where you can pass them. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think uh, the word of the day today, if somebody asks you, what was the word of the day in Ford. Michigan? Uh, the word of the day was Ford, absolutely, at Michigan International Speedway. That was the manufacturer of the day as well. I want to thank Doug. everybody for listening to Talking Circles tonight. We'll see you here back again Wednesday uh, as we get ready for an off weekend in the Cup Series. Good night, everybody. See you next time.